All right, and welcome to this special episode of Real Estate Fight Club. This is a series that airs every Wednesday called What Would You Do?, where we talk about professional standards and ethics committee violations and cases and topics. Here with me today is Rachel Real. Good morning, Jen. I feel like you should be like a star, you know? I do have a very, a very well-suited name for the business of real estate. It's very convenient. I love it. It needs to be on a billboard in lights. In lights. In lights. <laughs> well, Rachel is the broker owner of Rachel Real Real Estate in Chicago. Now, Rachel, what do you have for us today? What are we talking about? How are we getting in trouble? So, right, so today we're going to get in trouble by talking about multiple offers and disclosure of accepted offers. <laughs> That's so. Easy. <laughs> right. Well, there's a lot of multiple offers going on with the with the way the market is right now. So I thought this is something that's timely. Um, and, you know, it's something that we we see a lot of um, in, in a lot of different various ways. Mm-hmm. So Article three states realtors shall cooperate with other brokers, except when cooperation is not in the client's best interest. The obligation to cooperate does not include I the obligation to like share that. commissions. Can I <laughs> ask you something about that? Of course. Ask away. So we all have these agents that every time we attempt to do a deal with them, it never works out. Do you know these agents? In, in some ways. I mean, there's some that, you know, are, can be a little more, a bit more challenging than others. I mean, that's always been able to get it done. Yeah. Multiple times, many, many, many okay. times more than okay. we'll say more than their fair share. Okay. Is that, I'm wondering, and maybe this is a different topic, because I feel like we've talked about like disparaging the other agent, but if there's facts, right, if it's like, okay, these three deals in the last six months, like, I don't know, anyway, maybe that's- There's no, right, there's no code of ethics violation that says you have to be easy to work with. So that, you know, or a good person or a- Then is it like their best interest, you know? Yeah, there's, there's so many different ways these things can go because every deal is a little bit different. Every deal's got a little bit of different nuance to it, different players, different everything, different personalities. So there's there's a lot that goes into these transactions. You're right. Okay, carry on. Carry on. Okay, so Article 3, the obligation to cooperate does not include the obligation to share commissions, fees, or to otherwise compensate another broker. So if we look at this particular case we're going to talk about today, um, reference to standard of practice 3-6, which says realtors shall disclose the existence of accepted offers, including offers with unresolved contingencies to any broker seeking cooperation. So is that pretty... Disclose accepted offers to another broker. That's But if you if they already have an accepted offer, then there's no reason to cooperate with other brokers. Well, you still do, if, if they are asking you whether or not, this kind of goes into that, that question of when you are asked about an offer. So if you have a listing and I call you and say, say you just accepted an offer 15 minutes ago, but you haven't updated the MLS yet because you've got that window of time to do that. Right. So this, this particular case, we're talking about that window from the time you sign that contract till the time you enter it into the MLS. Because mm-hmm. once it's in the MLS and recorded as under contract, you're not, you're already making that disclosure. Right. So this is kind of talking about that window in between. So if you have just signed an offer with your with your seller 10 minutes ago and I call you and say, hey, I'd like to show this property that available, you can't lie to me. You can't say, no, it's not because you are still shopping a better offer. Okay. You have, you have to be honest. So you have to say, yes, I've accepted an offer. 
But where does that fall in line with the um, duty to follow instructions from the seller? And what if they don't want or what if they well, do want, or like, you know what I mean? What if, because we, we are required, we are required to follow the rules of the MLS. So if I, if, if my seller says to me, well, I don't want you to disclose that. Well, here, here's the situation. I am a member of the MLS. There's rules I have to follow. Here's the rule. And I've printed it out. I haven't, I've shown it to clients before that says, once we have an accepted offer, I have to mark this in the, in the computer as under contract. Now, what I can do is I can change the remarks in that, in that listing and say, we've accepted, you know, there's an accepted offer please continue to show it for backup. They're not. And, and, I, and I'm very clear about that too. In, the, in all reality, it's marked under contract. The likelihood of that, of that, you know, that particular buyer or another agent showing the property is probably going to be pretty slim, but at least we're saying and we're putting it out there. Yes, please continue to show, please continue activity. Especially when you have something where it's, it's an offer that's accepted contingent on the sale of another property. But how honest do you, like how, not honest, but like how much information do you have to get? <laughs> that's a guess, that's a black and white, right? To be honest, but I'm saying, okay, right. so let's say, but how much information do we have a duty to disclose because of the MLS agreement? So if, let's say we, we have offers, we're, um, we're looking at them or whatever, and the seller- You haven't, you haven't signed anything yet. So we just say we haven't signed anything yet. Well, no, I'm asking you, have you, in your scenario here, have you signed anything or are you just evaluating offers? And looking at anything, yeah, but there's been like okay. a verbal, like we'll probably go with this one. Okay. So nothing that's been signed in writing. So you don't have an accepted offer at that point. Correct. So if you were asked about that, do you have any offers on the property? Then you revert back to that conversation with your seller about how do you want me to handle this? If I have inquiries about your house. So this is, it, is only the violation that we're talking about here is only if you have, if you have acceptance, if you have accepted, once you have physically signed that contract, everybody's signed it. Both parties have the paperwork back. You have a signed contract, you know, we, otherwise we uh, go back to that conversation about, do you, do you have any offers? Well, the answer is either, yes, I have offers, or I haven't had the conversation with my seller yet that authorizes me to discuss this with you. So that's a different conversation. <laughs> always tell what they're so we actually did like a real estate fight club on this like should the seller be able to continue to market their property after it goes under contract right absolutely yeah but so many but they they can quotation marks continue to market it but like right it's very rare that people will still keep going which is bullshit you know, it, it really all depends. So, you know, there's the, the, the listing agents ideally would continue to market it because a, something can fall through at any given point in time, especially at the very beginning. Yeah. Now, so I can see why you would want to continue to market it during the time where you're going through attorney review inspection periods, right. um, even up to when the buyer's financing is approved. Once you've gotten to that point and you know, you're good, the chances of that falling apart are, are pretty slim at that point. Right. I'm not going to say none because, you know, people have lost jobs. There's been times where my seller's moving van is, is down the block and you can still see it. And we get a call that says the buyer just lost their job. Oh. And we're running after the moving truck trying to get them to stop. <laughs> it's happened. Back. Right. Come back. Movers ended up moving them back in and we started over again. That's terrible. Oh, yeah, it sucks. I don't know. This is like a bigger issue. So then if... If the agent, the listing agent, the sellers have accepted a buyer's offer, the listing agent 
Well, I mean, Rachel, I feel like we're assuming that they're answering their phone. Answer your right. phone. We are, assuming, we are assuming that they are answering their phone. And Unless you have a pending contract, if you haven't marked a pending, then do not answer your phone. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. This is... So we're- Right. So we're going to talk about 3-6 about the accepted offers. So, and again, based on the, the case study that we're going to read, we're going to assume now in, we're in your market, you're in Kentucky and Ohio. Do you, once you have an accepted contract, how long, how much time do you have to put that into the MLS and reflect it accordingly? Girl, are you asking me if I know a rule? Yes. <laughs> so where I'm at, you have 48 hours to put that in the computer. I mean, that sounds about right. Right. And I would imagine that there's, you know, every, everybody's MLS has some kind of rule about this. It isn't just the wild west where you can say, I have a contract and not disclose it. Right. So you've got some, some rule that you have to follow there. So we're going to assume for the purposes of this particular case that we're not at that point yet. We're within that 48 hour window, okay, whatever because, ob- because obviously this, this would be a little bit of a different story if it were already marked in the computer as pending right, or as under contract right. with a contingency. Right. 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 I mean, our MLS, it, you can mark it as either under contract or you can mark it as under contract pending, you know, a home sale or a home close, something like that. Okay. So, and, and when you think about this particular um, article in case two, every, every contract has a contingency of some sort, whether it's financing that is going to take you all the way through the whole thing. There's very rarely an, a, a contract that has no contingencies at all. Right. So really, when you think about it, this particular case is talking about a home sale contingency, but there can be contingencies. It could be anything. Case. Could okay. be anything. So there's a lot That's of letters a in this one too. These cases can be found at jennifermertland.com slash vault if you want to like read it, along yes. with other resources in there. Right, exactly. Okay. So Realtor A listed seller S's house and entered the listing in the MLS. Within a matter of days, Realtor X procured a full price offer from Buyer B. The offer specified that Buyer B's offer was contingent on the sale of Buyer B's current home. Seller S, anxious to sell, accepted Buyer B's offer, but instructed Realtor A to continue marketing the property in hopes that an offer that was not contingent on the sale of an existing home would be made. Okay. No, totally reasonable there. I mean, at this point, you know, you're looking at language in there. That's like, you have the first right of refusal. Well, that's like what I was saying earlier too, about the MLS. So ours, you can mark it as just under contract where it's not contingent on anything, but the code is going to reflect differently. If it's contingent on the sale of a property, it'll say HS 24. You don't have that. that. Okay. So yeah, ours will say HS 24, 48, 72, whatever that kickout is. Um, so it's, it's pretty clear when you pull it up, it falls under the, the broad category of under contract, but it also is, has a secondary flag of home sale. So ours, if that was the case for ours, um, and they wanted us to continue to market it, we would yeah. sign it as a first ride refusal and literally put in there that they would have, you know, a, whatever it is, a five, a 10, a 24 hour first ride of refusal. If we received another contract, but that we were going to keep actively marketing it. And then everybody gotcha. agree to that. Okay. So, and that essentially is the same scenario here. It's just that our MLS has a different, has a code for that. So oh, that you have to put all that fancy. extra stuff in there. It's not fancy. Okay. So this so far is, is very straightforward. You've got an offer that's contingent on the sale of another house. Yes. Continue to market it. I totally agree. Okay, agreed. A week later, Realtor Q, so this is another guy, another cooperating broker working with an out-of-state transferee on a company paid visit, contacted Realtor A to arrange a showing of Seller S's house for buyer T. 
Hi. Realtor A contacted seller S to advise him of the showing and then called Realtor Q to confirm that he and buyer T could visit the property that evening. Okay. Realtor A said nothing about the previously accepted purchase offer. So again, this scenario would be slightly different if the contract wasn't signed yet. Okay. If you were still negotiating things and you still had things up in the air, you wouldn't want to say anything because you wouldn't want to deter you, a, you don't know if that's going to come together and B, you don't want to deter somebody else from looking at that house. Right. So you're going to let it go. Okay. But this particular case, they have a previously accepted purchase offer that in all, in all reality is all signed by all parties. Okay. Realtor Q showed the property to buyer T that evening and buyer T signed a purchase offer for the full listed price. Realtor Q sent the purchase offer to, offer to Realtor A. So now Realtor A has the second offer. Okay. Realtor A informed seller S about the second offer. At seller S's instruction, buyer B was informed of the second offer. So that's the first buyer now. Okay. Was informed of the second offer and buyer B waived the contingency in his purchase offer. Oh. So now buyer one <laughs> is now waiving the contingency. Okay. Uh-huh. He's getting ugly, right? Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and he's already signed it. It's so he's already signed it. He's now ugly. pulling the contingency. Right. Yeah. So I mean, You're, done. Right. Realtor A then informed Realtor Q that seller S and buyer B intended to close on their contract and the property was now not available for purchase by buyer T. So they used buyer T to get the seller to agree or the the first buyer to agree to waive that contingency. Although this is something that typically happens in a negotiation, not after the contract is signed. Right. So Realtor Q. It has to be because they are like canceled. They're unaccepting the offer. They're canceling. Right. They're they're now you're now you're at a point where you've already got a signed contract. Now you've got to undo it. Right. You can rescind it. You can put them on notice to rescind. And I'm wondering if you put the first offer on notice to rescind, is the notice of rescission enough or does it have to be accepted for it to be rescinded? Well, you would rescind an offer. So where I'm at, if you are under contract now, you have to then have the attorney go in and cancel the contract. Right. But is the, but it cannot be, it cannot be based on anything other. It can be based on anything other than price. Meaning because you don't want to have a buyer take our seller, take an offer and in good faith, take that offer. And then all of a sudden somebody else comes in with a higher price. They've got to disapprove it based on something other than price or else you'd have people constantly saying, okay, well, I'll just shop around until I get more. And then you've so got then people this canceling. would be rescinded based on the contingency, but then they would come back right. and say, no, we release a contingency, but like, how long is it allowed for that? Oh my God. In my market, you've got yes. five days, right? That's why this is a mess, right? So Realtor Q, <laughs> Realtor Q, believing that Realtor A's failure to disclose the existence of the accepted offer between seller S and buyer B at the time Realtor Q contacted Realtor A was in violation of Article 3 of the Code of Ethics as interpreted by Standard of Practice 3-6 and filed an ethics complaint with the Association of Realtors. At the hearing called to consider the complaint, Realtor A defended his actions, noting that while buyer B's offer had been accepted by seller S, it had been well, yeah, this just gives you a little bit of a little bit more information, had been contingent on the sale of buyer B's current home. It was possible that buyer B, if faced with a second offer, could have elected to withdraw from the contract. Realtor A argued that continuing to market the property and not making other brokers aware that the property was under contract promoted his client's best interest by continuing to attract potential buyers. Discuss. 
So what, what do you think here? And again, you know, the key point on this one is that you not, we have an accepted signed contract. We're not negotiating. So the negotiations are completely, this would be a whole different ball of wax if we were still just in the negotiation process. But you've got a signed contract. Yeah, so I think that it's based on what you read to me about that article, the code, it sounds like mm-hmm. he has a violation. I think that what I would have done if I saw a showing coming and I would have probably, and I didn't like tell them that there was an offer that had a contingency, right? Then I would have probably called that other agent and be like, Hey, look, we have a showing. Is your client, the issue is going to be the contingency of these people offer. Is your client available to remove it? I don't well, that's, that's, that's oftentimes a conversation that I have with a seller at the, or a buyer's agent in this particular scenario. So if I'm representing the seller in this case, and we have a contract that we've accepted contingent on the sale of a property, and we're signing that, the conversation then becomes with that first buyer's agent. Now, of course, this is going to be marked as contingent, but contingent on the sale of your property. Mm-hmm. In the event we get another offer, does, is your buyer in a position to be able to remove that contingency? Or are we looking right. at not being able to no matter what? And, you know, so that's then- where, and, and we're going to end up being, we're going to end up canceling it. So it's kind of a conversation that I do have with a buyer's agent if I'm in this situation. I think that's a good advice, right? Like have the conversations of some of the what ifs that could happen before they happen, because that is, that's the issue. And it's not only if we get another offer, it's like if we get a higher offer and that happens too, when we have like a seller that they're getting a ton of action. Right. And then Mm -hmm. they're like, let's take this offer, but we're still getting, sometimes an offer will come in after and it's higher. And so when we're getting a lot of action, I'll still have that conversation with the seller and be like, Hey, look, you, by accepting this offer, you cannot take another one, even if it's higher, because that's what they want to know. Right. Well, what if the other one is a a BBD, a bigger, better deal, baby. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And so having the, then the conversation with the agent makes sense, right? Oh, that's right. good advice, Rachel. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sticky one. It is, it is. And in this particular market, when we're seeing a whole lot of multiple offers and a lot of activity on things, that's when you have to sit down with the seller and have a come to Jesus talk and say, okay, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We put it on the market, we get five offers, whatever it is, and one of them's contingent. Do you want to risk taking it off the market for somebody yeah. When you still have, you know, when you're, when you're in the first week of, of market activity, right. You know, you can put them on ice and tell them, go back and sell your house and come back to me. Right. Or we'll keep you posted or, te- right. or I like, I like how we do the first right of refusal, right? It's like, you'll have an, I'll accept this, yep. it, but I'm still going to market it. And by accepting it, you're also agreeing to the terms that you have a first right of refusal and yes. if you get another offer. You'll have an hour to decide if you can release that and um, your contingency or not. Exactly. Otherwise exactly. we're moving forward. Yep. But then we're back to the original question that I had asked. If you do rescind your acceptance, does the rescission happen when you rescind it as the seller or does it happen when it's accepted by the buyer? No. Well, where I'm at here in an attorney state, you know, once you've got a signed contract, if if one of those parties wants to cancel that contract, their their respective attorney would write a letter to the other attorney and say, 
we hereby cancel this contract at selling and point. And that's it. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. You don't have to accept it on the other side. The contract's just saying, or the, the attorney's just saying, we're, we're canceling and moving forward. Okay. So yeah, that's that's the same way here. I mean, if it's marked contingent on a sale, there's a 24, 48, or 72 that's typically attached to that. So if buyer B comes in, buyer A can, you go back to buyer A and say, hey, we've got another offer. Right. The, buy, the sellers are going to take it. If you don't drop your contingency, you've got 24, 48, or 72 Whatever. hours to make that decision. Shoot, right? I'd give them an hour. Look, you, you either sold it or you didn't sell it. You talk. Well, and sometimes if people are, are on the, you know, maybe don't have to sell in order to buy, but would prefer to do that, they've got to rerun some numbers, talk to a lender, yeah. you know, just make sure That's that they've true. got their ducks in a row. But I think right. either way, if the agent asks, is there an offer and you have a signed offer, then there is an offer. And well, if, now it's a contract. Now it's a signed contract. You don't have to disclose the existence right. of offers. Contract, right. But I'm saying right. it's signed. So it's like if the rule it's is now, it's now a contract that you have to disclose that, then I think they violated it. Right. Right. All so right. the key word is contract versus offer. Yeah. You don't have to, you're not obligated to disclose offers. Right. I've had, I've had nasty mess text messages from um, buyer's agents that said, Hey, you know, after I, I marked something contingent buyer came in and, and, or a buyer agent came in, showed the property and the feedback automatically went out to them. And they sent me a nasty note back and said, I drove 45 minutes. It would have been nice to know you had an offer. Well, you know what? I'm sure it would have, but you didn't ask. And if the seller did, and I'm not, and I'm not authorized to disclose that to you because why do I want, if I don't, if this offer doesn't come together, I don't want to freak out your buyer. Right. And make, and, and, and have it's them not look at it slope, in, the event, right? in the event that this is a perfect fit for them. I know this offer could blow up and be terrible because if you, if I agree, like I can see both sides, right? Like I can see it from the seller perspective. Like, no, we want everybody in there. We, yeah. Like you said, you don't want to freak people out, but I can also see it from the buyer's perspective of like, Oh, I don't want to go there if I have no chance. Then you have to ask. Agreed. It's on you as that buyer's agent to ask. You've got to ask. What if that first offer that I have in my hand is a $30,000 under asking price offer in this market? It's right. a craptastic offer. Right. I don't, I don't want the other person to know that I have an offer because why, why would I? They're going to come in with something though, decent. An offer, depending on the buyer's perspective, it either puts them into like a competitive state where they would offer more or right. it like puts they them, run. Or they run, yeah. And but I don't want to risk that, that person running if they might be the perfect buyer, especially yeah. if the offer I have is really crappy. Gosh. I think too, I want to remind people of one of the, um, what would you do episodes we did where you, I think it was, what would you do? I forget about not only asking if there are other offers, but you had a follow-up question in there. Please tell us what we it did. is. Right? We, we did talk about that one, me and you did that one together. Yeah. So if you are a buyer's agent and you are calling to say, Hey, do you have any offers on this property? And the listing agent says, well, I'm not authorized to disclose that. That could be one question, one answer. If they say, yes, I do have offers. Well, then your follow-up question needs to be, who wrote, are any of these offers ones that came from you personally as a dual agent or another person in your office? Yeah. Because if they did, that could indicate a variable rate commission that right. our MLS is listed on there. Yeah. If you need, if you ask that question, you're now knowing whether, what position to put your buyer in if your buyer's going to offer. And no, yeah. So I, I had that situation that come up last summer. Yeah. Always ask the and question, it, no matter what their answer is from the first. Absolutely. Time. Like still ask. And this is the first, I mean, in 16 years of doing this, I, I went through this scenario last summer with a client 
And it was on the market one day and the agent said, yes, we have. I said, do you have, do you have offers? Yes, we do have offers. I said, great. Is, is any of the offers yours or somebody in your office? And she kind of stuttered for a second because she was like, well, wait a minute, nobody asked this question. And, I, and she goes, well, yes, it is my offer. And I said, okay, great. What is the variable rate commission? What's, what's the differential in the percentage that your seller is going to pay you if you bring, an off, bring a buyer versus me bringing a buyer? And she kind of paused again. She goes, well, I don't think I have to disclose that. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, you do. And I screenshotted her the, the part of the code of ethics that says, if asked, you must disclose this. And lo and behold, it was there was five offers. She had one of them yeah. and her seller was going to take it and ultimately ended up taking my client's offer yes. because it was, it was better. But we accounted for that differential in commission in our offer. And if you hadn't asked her, you wouldn't have counted for it. And then well, you would have lost it. Lost it. Right. And she ended up stopping by the home inspection while we were there with the buyer. And she said, she looked at my buyer and she goes, your agent's the reason you got this house. She asked the right um, questions. Yeah. Right. So it. you have to, you have to ask those questions. Exactly. Especially in a ridiculous market like this. No, I agree. Okay. Right. So let's, um, I want to tell you about two of our partners and then we'll hear what the um, people decided. Sweet. People. All right. So <laughs> the people, the people, we, the people have decided. The people. Right. Um, so two of our partners I want to tell you about today. One is Ghost Poster, which is Monica's company. Hey, Monica. Hi, and Monica. <laughs> <laughs> this is for um, those of you that know that you should be posting on social media, but you're not. So this is how I started my social media journey, which... Rachel, I don't know. It's, you, know. you got game. You got good social media game. I do now, but I tell because right. of Ghost Poster. Because <laughs> it's, all, like, it's all thanks to Monica and Ghost Poster? Yeah, it's like, it's stupid. I don't know what to say, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so you just literally copy and paste it. So Monica, Ghost Poster, they'll give you everything and you just copy and paste it. She emails it to you every day. You don't have to go find it. It's like the best invention ever. So, um, they are nice offering... when you can have somebody else to curate your content for you, Exactly, because there's a lot of stuff that we could do. And it, it, you could go down the rabbit hole real fast trying to find exactly, exactly. And, um, she offers a discount code for our fight club listeners. So you would go to mycoachmonica.com and enter in fight club and you'll get $50 off. So that's good. Sweet. I know. The other one I want to tell you about is my coach, John Kitchens. He's amazing. And he's offering like a free business evaluation, which if you are looking for a new coach or you've never had a coach before, it's really good to hear from, from a coach's perspective about your business. It's really eye-opening, I guess. So if you're ready for a look in the mirror, like a real look, <laughs> I would go to call coach kitchens dot com and enter in fight club and you can get the free business assessment. All right. Excellent. Rachel, what did they decide? Do they agree with me or not? Okay. So let's see, let's go back here. So, so let's recap what happened at the hearing. Mm -hmm. So at the, at the hearing called to consider the complaint, realtor a defended his actions. So he was the listing agent of the property. Okay. Noting that while buyer B's offer had been accepted by seller S it had been contingent on the sale of buyer B's current home. Okay. Totally true. True. It was possible that buyer B, if faced with the second offer, could have elected to withdraw from the contract. Realtor A argued that continuing to market the property and not making other brokers aware that the property was under contract promoted his client's best interest by continuing to attract potential buyers. So I get his rationale there. He's saying, hey, you know what? I need to keep marketing this because I have a contingency on a sale. Right. However, 
the hearing panel disagreed with Realtor A's justification, pointing to the specific wording of standard of practice 3-6, which requires disclosure of accepted offers, including those with unresolved contingencies. Mm -hmm. Therefore, Realtor A was found in violation of Article 3. You know what, Rachel? We kind of saw that one coming. There's too (laughs) many rules. There are a lot of rules, but a lot of them make common sense. And a lot of them don't. Well, I think, you know, the preamble to the code of ethics is the golden rule in a nutshell, you know, treat people the way you would want to be treated. So, you know, and again, there's a lot of nuance, especially when we were talking about the disclosure of multiple offers and all of that. There's a priority, right? There's a priority of people that you can't treat everybody equally. There is, you do have a favorite kid, right? So like in this case, <laughs> good thing my kids aren't watching this. <laughs> I, <laughs> look, I'm not a parent, but I know y'all have a favorite and everybody else knows yeah. it too. <laughs> I have a favorite Trevor and a favorite Carson. That's what I tell them. Oh, that's so, right. yeah. That's <laughs> um, but like as the real estate agent <clears throat> that was hired by the seller, our job is to do what's in the seller's best interest. Absolutely. Within the, within the framework of a the law, they, you can't, they can't ask you to do something illegal and you do it. Obviously. That doesn't make any sense. Right. right. Um, you know, but, but within, and then within the rules that the MLS and the rule and that the, he the, followed that this agent followed was it's in, I guess it's like a NAR rule, but it's not an MLS rule. As far as, as far as what the disclosure of the accepted offer. Yeah. The non-disclosure of it, he's not required to disclose it from NAR, but he's required by the MLS. Well, NAR would be the national association of realtors, which is the author of the code of ethics. So that's where that kind of comes in. So NAR is really the, the, you know, is the one that puts out the code of ethics. So, because that's applicable to realtor members. Now, if you, if the other person on the other side of this or, or if this listing agent was not a member of NAR, oh, then he would be a moot, it would be a moot point. He doesn't have to do a darn thing. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Well, then- Isn't it interesting when you think about that? But it's like, yeah, I, that, that's where I start to, my wheels start to spin. <laughs> Maybe we'll do another one on that. All right. Well, right? this was interesting. This was like a pretty long, yes. what would you do? I hope you found it. People in, hope people found it interesting. Wondering. I think what- so. I think so too. Wondering what people think about disclosure of multiple offers, whether you're from a listing agent's side, what do you think about that? Especially in that period of when it has been marked pending yet, but you've accepted it. What are some of your best practices? Do you notify other agents? Do you just let it ride? Like, what do you do? You know, you know, when you're talking about negotiating multiple offers, again, when it's under contract, you now have an obligation to disclose that because you've signed a contract. Right. So once that contract is signed, you do have to, you, you have I mean, to disclose you actively that. or passively disclose it. Well, yeah. I've got that 48 hour window. So keep that in mind. Okay. So depending on the market, I will use either the front end of that window or the back end of that window. <laughs> so I will strategically use that window depending on what the market indicates. So right now, when you have a seller occupying a property and you have 25 showings in a day yeah. and they've accepted an offer and they're like, stop the madness. Yeah. The second that contract is signed, I'm marking it pending and saying, we're good. We're done. Yeah. Right. So really just- in a market, right. In a market other different than this, where that might not be the case. And it's kind of dribbling in as far as showings go, mm-hmm. I might leave that open till the end there. Right. And if somebody calls and asks, obviously I need to disclose that. 
well, you know, do you pick up your phone or not? It kind of depends on, it could depend on who the agent is. Do you like them? If they, if they have, if they have a scheduled showing and I've got an accepted offer, then yes, I will pick up the phone because at that point it is no longer available. Yeah. That's, that's very different than having an offer that we're negotiating because that, again, that offer could be a really crappy 30,000 under asking price and the list price is $110,000 right. and that has a, a snowball's chance in hell of going anywhere. Right, right. And I really want a better offer. Right. So I'm going to continue to shop that. So I will, I will strategically use that window depending on the scenario yeah, in the market. Well, Rachel, if I want to thank you for being on again, of course, it's always you lovely. bet. And it's if lovely. people have a referral for you in Chicago or they want to get a hold of you, what is the best way? Best way to reach me is by cell phone, either call or text at 630-542-8688. Lovely. And if you want to get a hold of me, it's 513-400-1691. All right. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having me, Jen. Bye.